Exodus 3, verse 1 through 22. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he saw his flock to the west side uh, of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see what is this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see God, God called to him out of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of the land to a good land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites, the Amorites, the Pez uh, the Perizzites, sorry, let me start there. The Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. He said, but I will be with you. And this will be a sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob has appeared to me, saying, I have observed you and what has been done to you in Egypt, and I promise that I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey, and they will listen to your voice. And you and the elders of Israel shall go to the king of Egypt and say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. And now, please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all the wonders that I will do in it. After that, he will let you go. 
And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And when you go, you shall not go empty. But each woman shall ask of her neighbor and any woman who lives in her house for silver and gold jewelry and for clothing. You shall put them on your sons and on your daughters. So you shall plunder the Egyptians. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Joined by Jim Hamilton, we're reading through the Exodus Exodus narrative. I was just kind of putting myself in the place of Moses. I mean, obviously you're seeing this burning bush. You're seeing this amazing thing. It's one of the most obviously well-known passages of the Bible. But what an ask. Mm. Uh, I mean, I I just think, I'm just kind of thinking about this in modern terms. You know, you're going to go to this guy that hates your people. Yeah. That is not going to let him go. He's not only going to let him go. But he, you're going to take the spoils of Egypt with you, and then I'm going to bring you into this land, and there's all these other enemies right. there, by the way, right. that also don't like you, Yeah, and you're going to have their land. I mean, I think that we are so used to this, mm-hmm. and obviously we know the end of the story, that this can seem like, well, why didn't Moses just believe God was talking to him? But it's just such an amazing, massive thing right. that God accomplished through his servant Moses, and then, of course, the second half, I guess you could say, accomplished through Joshua. Um, yeah, so what are your thoughts on the passage? Well, uh, with what you're saying, you know, Egypt is the superpower of the day, and Moses has grown up in the pomp and circumstance of the palace. He grew up as a, a, a child of the daughter of the Pharaoh, and now his, his grandfather, if you will, the Pharaoh, has died. There's a, there's a new king, a new Pharaoh, but it's still the court of the superpower of the day, from which he fled for his life. I mean, the Pharaoh was trying to kill him and he fled from that place. And now, you know, we're not given a timestamp here in the book of Exodus, but in in the New Testament, we're told that he was 40 years out in the wilderness. Right. So for 40 years, he's been a shepherd. He's been a nobody out in the wilderness. And now he's being told, okay, that place where you were under the death penalty, go back there. And so at the at the personal level, this is challenging. And then... At the, at the political level, this is challenging because he, he knows I've been wandering around with sheep. And, and at the end of Genesis, we're told that shepherds are loathsome to the Egyptians. Sure. So he's been shepherding for 40 years in Nowheresville, and now he's to march into the palace and tell the Pharaoh to let all his slaves go. I mean, this is, this, he's probably thinking this is not going to go well. Right. Um, and, and yet... Um, uh, because I think the Lord is so compelling and so overwhelming, uh, those key words in verse 12, but he said, I will be with you. That That's ultimately going to bring this about. And this isn't the first time, or maybe the last time at least, that God uses kind of a shepherd figure mm-hmm. to do this impossible thing. Yeah, And then the end of that is... God bringing about great things for his people as a result of the obedience of a, of a shepherd. Right. And, and you know, here in Exodus uh, 3.1, we read of how Moses was shepherding the flock of his father-in-law. And it's a very similar statement to Exodus, I'm sorry, Genesis 37.2, where Joseph was shepherding the flock of his father. Right. Um, and so, again, this is another one of those links between Joseph and Moses, and it invites all of those the, it, it invites reflection on the similarities between them. And then, you know, later on, there's a shepherd that becomes a king exactly. after yeah, going David. after the biggest guy ever, really yep. when he was just a boy. Yep. And then there's this good shepherd that shows up in the New Testament. Amen. Uh, that 
takes on sin and death and the wrath of God uh, and frees his people in this incredibly redemptive way. And yeah. so, yeah, this is just, again, it, I, you, it's hard not to think about that. And, and it's interesting as you were reading, um, and, and I'd love to hear kind of even your understanding of the incarnation in a sense. Um, you know, and Dr. Ware here at Southern Seminary actually helped me think, okay, if you really understand the incarnation, then then there's a time in the life of Jesus, an incarnate man, that he comes, as he's growing in wisdom and understanding, right. that he even grows in the wisdom and understanding of what God is, who he is mm -hmm. as the Son of God. I mean, is mm -hmm. that how you would understand the incarnation? Yeah, you know, I think it's a mystery. At some level, uh, Jesus was God, and, and there are clear indications that he knows things that ordinary people don't know. Um, but at another level, the text does tell us that he grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man, Luke 2.52. And so I do think that Jesus, as he studied the scriptures, he, he realized things. And, and um, I think there are places, you know, in the Old Testament where, particularly places like Daniel 7 and some other, other spots where he came to realize the fullness of the meaning of those passages. Right, right. Or even, you know, like Isaiah 53, yeah. he knows like, okay, is this, is this what's gonna happen This to is my me? mission, yeah, that's right. right. Yeah. And then I even think like, is this one of those passages? I mean, is Jesus being a better Bible student than you and I, like yeah. able to see, oh, like the, I am this kind of shepherd deliverer mm. that God is mm. going to, and, and my mission is like this, but it's actually bigger than this. Well, certainly, I think that I think that Jesus would have seen himself according to the pattern of of particularly Joseph and Moses and David, and all three of those guys were initially rejected by Israelites, and then they were, you know, raised up to prominence. And I think that th that could very well stand behind Jesus being ready to say to his disciples, we're going up to Jerusalem, I'm going to be crucified, and on the third day I'm going to rise. Yeah. You know, last time we were, we were reflecting on the attributes of God and the anthropomorphisms. It's interesting in this passage, we know it's God in the burning bush, you know, and he reveals his name, Yahweh, uh, I am who I am. And yet earlier in the passage, in verse 2, we're told that it's the angel of the Lord who appeared Yes. To Moses in a flame of fire. And Augustine in his On the Trinity, he discusses this. And this is one of the places that he uses to argue that when the Lord manifests himself in the Old Testament, he uses um, a created angel to represent himself. And and statements or you know, descriptions like this in Exodus 3, where it's the angel of the Lord who appears to Moses, but then he speaks for the Lord himself. Right. This seems to stand behind those statements in the New Testament, uh, Galatians 3, Acts 7, Hebrews 2, which indicate that, for instance, the law was given through angels. So, you know, in Exodus, it sounds like Moses is up on the mountain with God himself, but then the New Testament is going to tell us that the law was given, mediated to Moses through angels. And I think we have, you know, warrant for that kind of conclusion here in in. Exodus 3. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, and obviously there's a lot of these kinds of scenes. I think of, you know, Abraham yeah. having an encounter yeah. with speaking these on behalf three of men. God. Yeah, that's but, right. Yeah, but not, you know, it's not God, God, you right. know, and so, right. um, yeah, that's a, that's, that's fascinating. And then obviously we haven't even talked about kind of the, the I am. Yes. Uh, and obviously this is, we're supposed to think of Jesus uh, in this light, before Moses gave the law, before there was any Moses, mm. 
I am. Mm. I have been around. Yeah. Um, yeah. Any. I mean, any. Well, there? you know, I think, I think what the Lord is is saying about Himself here is, you know, when Moses says, "What is His name?" Uh, in the ancient world, there was this sense that if you knew someone's name, you had a certain power over them, and so the Lord's response of "I am who I am." is a way for him to say, I will not be controlled by, by my name. Mm. I determine who I am, and, and I will not be boxed in and then, and then somehow um, compelled to do things because you know my name. And so, uh, in Hebrew, this, this expression is ehyeh asher ehyeh, which could be rendered something like, I will be who I will be, mm-hmm. or I am who I am, and then it seems what they do is they take that, eh, yeah, I will be, and then they put it in the third person for something like he is or he will be, and that's where we get the form Yahweh, it, uh, it appears. I see. And so when you see in your in your English translation, L-O-R-D, and the R is a, it's a, it's a capital R, but it's smaller right. than the capital L, that's representing the divine name, Yod Yahweh. Yeah, yeah, Yod, Yod Heh Vav Heh, that's right. Which, if you put, if you pronounce it like a German, you come out with Jehovah, maybe. You know, so it's it's the same form. Um, but here, the Lord is identifying Himself this way as the one who is, and then He's also tying Himself to what was revealed in Genesis, the God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, so this is a profoundly significant. Um, a step forward in the progress of revelation mm. a lot to talk about but but uh we've i'm sure you're already to work by now and so uh we'll we'll we'll, we'll quiet down but for jim hamilton i'm jason dees thanks for listening thanks for listening to our daily rhythm i'm jason dees one of the pastors of christ covenant and our daily rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's Word. If you ever have a question for us about one of our Bible readings or one of your own Bible readings, please don't hesitate to text us at 404-465-1737. Again, that's 404-465-1737. Or email me directly at jason at christcovenant.com. We'll meet you again tomorrow for our daily rhythm.